from the ESPN 690 and Atari Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Small ballpark, that's an easy out <laughs> um, in 99% of ballparks. So, um, you know, the wind was, wasn't helping today, obviously, but, you know, just 3-1 count. Probably going to, you know, King is one guy that you put him back out there, you're like, okay, he's not going to give up a homer. I uh, just happened to hit it in a little league ballpark, you know, to right field. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Woodward. Woodward, yeah. He said he was joking. So it's still a good sound bite. Didn't sound like he was joking, though. No, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't like. I don't care what he says. He wasn't joking. And then Aaron I, Boone. Did you hear the Aaron Boone retaliation? Yeah, the the percentages are off or something. Yeah, Aaron Boone, mathematician. If you didn't know, <laughs> I guess so. Um, it, here's the thing: I have a lot of problems with the Yankees. That is a small park. Sometimes it Tiny. feels it feels really small, and they make it feel smaller because of their lineup. And so they've done a heck of a job to build around their field. But I have two major thoughts there. One is it really hasn't helped them, I don't think, like win the World Series, you know, win big enough. Correct. It yeah. hasn't. And secondly, I, I don't complain about ballparks, golf courses, things like that. I mean, everybody's got to play the same. Like, I, I think that's what Torres said, and I think he's right. I mean... It is what it is. I don't love it that a pop-up feels like it goes out to right field, but I also am a fan of the Boston Red Sox who have, like, one of the quirkiest fields around, and I don't feel like you need to apologize for it. I think it also gives it a bunch of character. So, um, listen, don't like the Yankees. I like when people pile on the Yankees, but I'm not going to on the field this time. Like, I just – the only thing I would say about the Yankees is I wish they never tore down the old Yankee Stadium because it's totally different than the new Yankee Stadium. It, there's no feel – like the old Yankee Stadium relative to this one. I get they have to do stuff, but if they could have somehow protected the old place and and yeah. built around and renovate, I think it would have been so much better than a new stadium because my kids, if I want to bring – which I have, I brought them to the Yankee Stadium, you cannot feel what I've felt at the old Yankee Stadium. You just can't. And yet I can bring my kids to Wrigley Field and Fenway Park, and I can do that. And, I again, there's probably a lot of reasons why they built a new one. Um, but I missed that part about the old Yankee Stadium, I will say. Yeah, no, I agree. I went to the old Yankee Stadium, sat in the last row. That was pretty dope. Um, you, you went to the old Yankee Stadium, so you're old enough to have done that. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, the answer, the answer to the question is yes. I can't remember what year. We went to two games. Um, one of them, we sat in the outfield. I kept score. It was pretty dope. And then the other one we weren't supposed to go to, but we, we got tickets like cheap or something, and it was legitimately the last row in the stadium. Like, you look over and you saw, like, I forget, like, the subway stuff. And it, it was cool. We also went to Shea Stadium on that trip. Well, we, uh, we did the same. The only time I've been in New York. But, yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty cool experience, both, both ballparks. But, yeah, I agree with you. They should have kept it because it just feels – I don't like the new one. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that if you've been to the other one, you know, I mean, it's, it's the nature of the world. I get it. But the, the thing I always say about the New Yankee Stadium is you don't feel any of that. Like, you feel ghosts. You really feel the ghosts sometimes in the old Yankee Stadium. I mean, you absolutely do. And, but the New Yankee Stadium, they have, like, the best food you'll ever have at a concession stand. Like, That's a high praise, like, Brent. They're serving, like, sushi at the concession stand. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy, wow. uh, some of the stuff that they serve. I wonder if they serve sushi at, like, an F1 race, Formula One race, because... 
There's nothing that uh, there's no sport that says money drips off everything more than Formula One. Like I say this about London. It's like when you go to London, you can just like see the money dripping off the buildings in London. When when I look at Formula One, that's all I think about. It is like a, a king and prince sport, it feels like to me. And uh, who's hanging on the line talking about F1? Uh, Henry. Henry's on, uh, calling in and jumping in, talking a little F1. How about the F1 debut down in Miami where I'm not sure the race was unbelievable, Henry, but I will say when you can get Hamilton and Beckham and Brady and Michael Jordan and Serena Williams and all of those greats in one spot, has to be a pretty cool event. Yeah, I was about to say it was real cool. Um, like you said, that grill walk was so funny, though. When he was trying to do the interviews, it was just amazing just seeing who all was there. Like you said, the, the Williams sisters, Dwayne Wade, he showed his little face across there. Uh, DJ Khaled, I mean, there was just a whole bunch of mega stars there. Uh, the the grill walk was so congested. <laughs> I don't even know how the engineers were able to work on any of the cars to be real. <laughs> That's how crowded it was, just just viewing it. Um, but I think they did a good job for their their first attempt at uh, F1 uh, in Miami um, and building it right around the stadium, um, especially with the little water thing that they did with the uh, boats, which was amazing. I think that stole the show, really, is from what I heard, that that really stole the show in Miami uh, about that little one thing that they did. But, you know, of course, you know, next year they'll make some adjustments to the to the race course itself uh, to help with passing, you know, and get a, get more speed out of it. But, like I said, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, Henry, uh, are you a big F1 fan or were you introduced to it by watching that? No, no, I'm a big F1 fan. I've been watching F1 since, ooh, like 88, 89. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Back during the time when, uh, you know, uh, Mario and all of them guys were just coming out of it. The younger uh, Michael was getting into it. You know, it was just uh, something that I've been watching for a long time. Uh, and it was it was kind of popular back in the United States a while back. But then, of course, we lost it. Uh, so they had to bring it back to us, and they're, they're doing a good job. Um, I'm trying to make it to that uh, Vegas for next year because that one's going to be a blast. All right, Henry, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for jumping in on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. It's interesting. Henry had reached out said, hey, we'll talk a little F1. Well, Casey, it was on our planner today. I mean, it does feel like the sport has boomed a little bit. Uh, and we know this from going to Davoli's House of Cards. The F1 card business is is out of this world right now. Again, right. it's it's a it's a rich sport in so many different ways. But... Why is this going to be a thing? I mean, could this potentially in the United States, uh, where I feel like almost our younger generation is more cultured, uh, to to the point where it's like uh, F1 becomes the MMA to to boxing, and and you could parallel it to like NASCAR in that sense, right? So boxing and MMA. NASCAR and maybe F1 comes from behind sometime and, and becomes a, a just as popular or more popular sport down the road. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. I think people like stuff that's exciting and it is exciting. Like they're hauling, no no doubt about it. Faster than NASCAR, and I think you do have those personalities, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that you have to build on. Obviously, it hasn't been a staple, I guess, in our 
sporting world in terms of the United States. So you got to build to that point. But it really kind of piqued my attention to your point with the cards. Like we talked about Devolis. Like they popped up. Everyone's buying them for crazy amounts of money. And I'm just like, what? What am I missing here? But now I get it. I watched a little bit of the race. It's exciting. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, we're all just looking for something that entertains us and is exciting, and that can do it. Why? Yeah, I guess it's fast. It's it's like I don't feel like there's as many twists and turns in an F1 race. I mean, I got to be honest. I don't lock in, so I don't know the particulars of the sport. But I feel like maybe because it's a longer race in NASCAR, uh, the styles are different, and so you get a little bit of, who knows what's going to happen each week? I feel like over the years, people have dominated F1. The same names have dominated F1. Um, I mean, is there something to that, that that there's just, yeah, it's fun, it's exciting, but is it does it have, like, the staying power, curiosity, sense of adventure, and unpredictability that it needs? Yeah, um... That's a good question. I think I, I'm asking you like you're an expert. Yeah, you are. Um, in terms of, I think like, it's a weird way to say it because you obviously don't want people to get hurt. But I think with racing, you always have that crash potential. And in a sport yeah. like that, it's obviously like, wait, like more serious than NASCAR, I should say, because of the way the cars are constructed and all that. But I think there's, I think there is something there. We just have to kind of experience it. I think, uh, like our caller said, it hit it out of the park in Miami. We'll see where it goes from here, but. I'm a, just like everything, you got to build. Like, nothing, like, comes overnight, I guess you should say. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see the build. But you've got the personalities. And for some reason, we all know who Lewis Hamilton is, but we don't really know why, right? Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, he's a – what is he, a seven-time champ in that sport? I mean, that's Jimmy Johnson-esque. That's Tom Brady-esque. That's like – I mean, he might even be more than seven-time champ. But, yeah, I think um, – I, I will tell you this. I thought yesterday you could feel the buzz about the race in Miami. Like, I actually had people, like, texting me, uh, some relatives up in Ohio, like, hey, are you going down to the F1 race? I'm like, why the hell would I go down the F1 race? You know? Right. <laughs> but there there was that kind of interest, and not just there. I Like, I felt that it was – I think ESPN probably covered it more. I felt there, yeah. it felt new. It felt different. It felt exciting. And almost to the point where it was like – Maybe I would like to go to one of these and check this thing out. Yeah. No, I mean, ESPN was all over it. I did the um, – I produced the fishing show Saturday morning. And so after that, Marty and McGee comes on on ESPN 690, and they were down there. And I was like, if Marty and McGee are at the F1 race, this is a big deal because they're NASCAR people. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, ESPN was all over it. The coverage was good. And I think that helps in terms of, like, it depends on where the coverage usually is. Now, me, for example, I'm out here watching soccer on, like, these random – Station, so I'll find it, but yeah. I think for it to be on ESPN and on Sports Center and right where you pretty much have to avoid it, and uh, same thing on Twitter, like it's right there. You just have to avoid it to not see it. I think that helps in building something, obviously, because it's right in front of people and they can't avoid it. Globally, how big F1 is huge globally, though. Correct. So it's a lot like soccer, where the United uh, yeah. States doesn't get it, but the rest of the world does. Yes, I would agree with that. Or at least, you know, parts of the rest of the world. Like, I, you know, that's the part where I don't exactly know. Because, like, soccer, I know Soccer's there's soccer everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. But, like, F1, depending on the schedule, it's kind of, I, I guess the closest thing that I can relate to is IndyCar because IndyCar travels. But F1, like, really travels. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'd agree that it's another thing that us in the United States were just a bit behind. See, the thing about IndyCar, though, is, like, if you say IndyCar and F1, people think it's, like, the same thing. That is true. 
I thought that for like a while, actually, I'm, to be honest. I with mean, you. again, you're not talking to an expert here on it, but I'm just saying we're actually almost better to talk about this to people that were wondering if it can grow faster or be a thing. Because, again, what are the differences, right? Like, that feels like the same thing. Mm. Um, NASCAR does not. NASCAR feels a lot different. But I always say this to people I'm like, F1, like, don't they race in like Morocco? Like, what else happens in Morocco sports-wise? It's Probably a lot more than I know, but I know Morocco because they F1. That's true. Yeah, like, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and they're going all these places. They got the Canada. They got Monaco. They got all – they're all over the place is what I'm trying to get at. And maybe my phone Monaco stopped working. Maybe Morocco. Mon- Monaco? Maybe it's Monaco. I don't know, maybe but they got Singapore, like, all these places. And what I appreciate about them is – all of their things are called, like, the something Grand Prix, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's awesome about it, just for, like, me looking at it currently, is it, it there's no, like, sponsor involved, at least where I'm looking at it. Brazilian, oh, yeah. Grand Prix. Abu Dhabi, Grand Prix. Mexican, Grand Prix. United States, Japanese, Singapore, Russian, so Italian. sold the naming rights like NASCAR does. Yeah, but to it your point. It changes every year, yeah. To your point, Belgian, Hungary, French, Austrian, British, Canada. Yeah. So they go everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And by the way, it's Grand Prix, kind of like Tour de France. You guys say Grand Prix, Sorry. I believe. No, you're right. I think I said Grand last night on TV. But Grand. It feels like you got to say Grand. Yeah. That shows you it's a rich sport um, when you when you got to do that. Uh, Brett Martin, Casey Kurtz, we're live at Fleming Island Golf Club, by the way. Beautiful day. What a gorgeous Monday it is. Uh, Going to be out this way for some flag football with Fleming Island and Middleburg playing tonight in the girls' regional finals. I'll have that for you on TV later tonight. Uh, let's go back to baseball for a moment. Uh, so the Cortez guy, like the Yankees fans really like this dude. Yeah. He's an interesting cat, right? He's a lefty. and throw hard. Doesn't throw hard. He, he reminds you, because of the way he's built, of almost like David Wells. Yeah. Yes. I, lefty, yeah. I'll go there. Size of. XXL. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I'll I'll give it to you, lefty. He doesn't like David Wells. David Wells throw hard, like in his prime. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, mostly everything is how much spin can you have and all of that. So yeah, that's his game, and it's it's working this year. When you have a one ERA, that's legit. Yeah, it, does it? It feel now. Listen, Yankees fans might know more about, but this feels like he's came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, like he's been there, just kind of keeping track with baseball. Like he's been there, but he was in the bullpen. And then he was a spot starter. Like, he started um, majority of his games last year for the first time. But before that, he was, like, a bullpen guy and not really a lefty specialist, kind of like long reliever, like, hey, we're down 10 or up 10. We need to get out so we can go home type thing. But now he's a, you know, a starter for them, and he's been the best one they have, including Garrett Cole. He's been better. Yeah, and it feels like they love – like, this is the kind of guy that New York – I mean, of course, he's got to pitch well. But I can't remember the last guy it feels like that people are in love with outside of Jeter – uh, but I'm I'm more talking like from a fad standpoint, you know that yeah. we're like for at least a little bit they love this guy, and and this guy feels like he could be it because he also feels like the guy that like you could walk into any New York pizza place and he could be the owner of. Now that is facts. I will give you that hundred percent. So like there's something about that that's cool. Like yeah. not just for the Yankees, but for any sport or any team or one of I mean, us it's one of said, us feel, yeah. that's why we like like brad meester because like he could be tailgating with us at 11 in the morning and then be snapping to whatever quarterback the jags had by one exactly yeah but i think this guy has a little bit of that in him yeah i mean i i think that was a good example that you had but yeah he's a guy that 
you know, you're never he, he's he's not the huge name and you're going to you have the ability to like see those people. I understand what you're saying. I can't say it very well, but you don't get that feel around Garrett Cole or Oldest Chapman because you paid huge money for those guys. Tyon's another example. This guy, although you didn't draft him, he's came up, he's kind of done his thing and now he's really good and he just feels like a regular guy. Well, plus like a guy like Garrett Cole, like he just he's not even uh, for, forget about relatable because he's so gifted, but he's also kind of a jerk. Like, yeah. it feels like what he says to the media, some of the stuff. Like, it feels like he's he's always defensive about everything. I'll give it and, to you. And, and part of that is because he's got to be, like, perfect given the contract, right? Right. I mean, he just – and he hasn't been. He hasn't been – I mean, he hadn't been bad, but he hasn't been as good as they need him to be, including winning a wild card game last year. So – uh, jerk's probably a little too hefty, but you get—he's a little combative in that market, which is a dangerous thing to do, mm-hmm. in my opinion. This guy—I mean, again—he's pitching well. We'll see what they say if his ERA goes to like five. But, <laughs> but he's been—he just seems like a character, fun guy. Like you like, whether it's New York or any town, I think you like those characters in sports. I'm not sure it has a ton of staying power. Maybe it does. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about him uh, to do that. A uh, couple other quick hitters on, on that. We'll get back to the ballpark in a moment, but I, I do say, I feel like we say this every couple of weeks, but the Yankees and Mets have been good. The Dodgers are the only team better than the Yankees and Mets in terms of win percentage. Who are you taking? Who you, who you have? And, and don't do it just because you're a hate for the Yankees. I'm, I'm going to try not to do that, too. Um, I think they do have friction in the AL East, maybe even more than the Mets. You know, sure, can Atlanta, can the Phillies, can they get it? It's only a month into the year. I think the Blue Jays and the Rays will be better. I think even the Red Sox will be better. I don't think the Orioles will threaten. Uh, But who are you taking right now as we're in the early middle part of May that will still be left standing if you could only take one of them, Mets or Yankees? Yeah, I'm taking the Mets all day because, listen, we just talked three or four minutes about Nestor Cortez, who nobody knows who he is. Like, is he going to have a one ERA all season long? Maybe. Is it likely? Probably not. But I don't trust their rotation. Garrett Cole, okay, he'll be good in the regular season, and then he'll have to earn it. But when you're looking at Cortez, Jordan Montgomery, Severino, who is a wild card, but he's still not even built up to 100%, and Jamison Tyon, or Chris Bassett, all-star, Carlos Carrasco, former all-star, Max Scherzer, Taiwan Walker, and, oh, by the way, the best pitcher in the sport hasn't even thrown the ball yet. So, for me, it comes down to pitching, and it comes down to starting rotation. Mets got to figure out some stuff with the bullpen. No doubt about it. Yankees bullpen is superior, but I like the Mets rotation a lot, and I think they just have more balanced players, guys like McNeil, guys like Marte, guys like Nimmo. They're balanced. Alonzo... Uh, Lindor, those are your big boppers, and that's fine. But you have a lot of guys that can hit for average, hit for home runs, and the Yankees' model isn't sustainable. They're not going to hit home runs every night, and frankly, it's Aaron Judge, and then it's a tear down before you get anybody else. Yeah, that's a good call. One other thing about where we stayed on this, kind of started the segment with it, talking about the Yankees a little bit in the ballpark. Do you like the old ballparks or the new ballparks better? And, like, I don't think that's as simple. Listen, my favorite ballparks are Fenway Park. I did like the old Yankee Stadium. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. but And I do like Wrigley Field. So those are my favorites. But my point is, like, I think the new ballparks are awesome, too. I mean, people will tell you, San Francisco, Pittsburgh. I mean, I like the Reds ballpark. I mean, they all have craft beer now in them. They all have better food now in them. They all have better sight lines. They all have better, like, congregating places. I mean, it's just a comfier, cozier setting. Heck, even minor league and college baseball ballparks are better. So... I don't think it's a simple answer. I think we all love Wrigley and Fenway for what they are. But are the new ballparks actually better? 
Um, well, first of all, I think anybody, if you're going to build a new ballpark, you should just take the model of Tropicana Field and just use that because that's like the perfect ballpark, <laughs> in my opinion. So <laughs> yeah, Tropicana Field is pretty much exactly what you want to do inside, air condition, a few <laughs> bugs, there's birds in there. But nonetheless, yeah. you never get a rain delay. Yeah, never a rain delay. And if you hit the roof, it's like a home run or something. Could be a double. It depends on where you hit and which ring you hit, Brent. All right, yeah. we just got to – here's the it's, thing. It's like going to Top Golf or right here, top of the T-Tracer. If you hit one of the, the targets, yep. it might be a single, a double, a triple, or a home run. We don't know yet. All I'm saying is they need to hand you a little guide when you walk in. If it hits this ring, it's a double. So then nobody's confused. And if the power goes out, which has happened multiple times – they show the Bugs Bunny baseball thing, okay? So this is the model of a perfect stadium in terms of Tropicana Field. But I will say the older stadiums, they have that allure. But I think the newer stadiums and you have the amenities, the food is just better most times, I will say. So I think the newer stadiums are good, but there is something to be said for, like, Wrigley and Fenway. Like, those are places you'll never get new stadiums. So in Chicago, if you want a new stadium, make it the White Sox. Yeah, I, I agree. Listen, the bottom line is... Yeah, the new stadiums are better for all the things you just said, but we also love the character and tradition and the feel of that old place. And I think if we had 30 ballparks like the old place, we'd be complaining about it. But thankfully, we have like two of them <laughs> like that right. and can still go and have some nostalgia about the sport of baseball. Yeah, well, that, and, that new Rangers ballpark is apparently nice. Like, I, I didn't go. My friends went to the World Series when they held it there. But, um, like. I'm trying to think. Did I go to the old one? I think I went to the old one. Was it inside or outside? Yeah, it was outside. Yeah, so the new one's inside. The new one's of. inside. Okay, yeah. so they were building the a new one. Yes. Um, when, when I went um, over there. I think that was during the draft in Dallas, actually, when we went to the Texas game at the old place. Yeah, that would sound about right. The old. See, here's the thing, like, and it's kind of the same with the Braves, right, in, in my opinion. Like, Turner Field was cool, and, like, I feel like they didn't need to change Turner Field, but they did. And then the same thing with the Rangers. Like, the Rangers' ballpark was okay. Did they really need to change it? I don't know, but you can do this. Like, you can make this huge, incredible, awesome thing, which now everybody says is pretty awesome. So, I think the balance there is weird, but I was upset when they got rid of Turner Field, at least. I like well, that. I think the one thing that they've done right in most of these stadiums, they've shrunk the capacity, which they should sure. do. You know, I mean, to have 60,000-seat baseball stadiums doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, the attendance isn't there, and and you shouldn't. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, if they build a new one in Tampa, I would make it about 24,000 and, yeah. and have people waiting on the list to get in if you have to. Yeah, but I, I think that's the way to go. It's a better way to go. It makes it cozier, comfier, um, gives it a fantastic feel, like in Houston when it's – just unbelievable. I mean, the old Astrodome versus the Minute Maid Park couldn't be more different in terms of how big the places are. Right. So um, I think there's a lot to like about the new parks for sure. Um, but that nostalgia in some of those places. I, I'll never forget we went to a Cubs game. We sat right behind old plate. There's this season ticket guy, and it had been this family for like three generations. He lived literally down the road. Yeah. And he was so mad, so mad. That they were building, like, the covering up the apartments and building oh, yeah. the video board, and they were changing. He was so bad. But then he was like, this was before they won a World Series. He was like, but if they would win a World Series, I don't give a bleepity bleep 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 what they put in here. <laughs> it was awesome. That's true. <laughs> but it really, it was really kind of neat. To, I mean, this guy was, like, in his family, they had season tickets for, like, 100 years. 
And the guy lived right down the road, and he hated the fact they were modernizing the ballpark. Did Was Absolutely it the guy with the hat? It. You know that story? The guy with the <laughs> pink hat? No. You don't know the story? So there's a guy so. that sits behind home plate every Cubs game, and he wears a pink hat. And uh, my dad told me about him. Like, if you watch the game, he's there. But he wears the hat. He's old. He's, he's had tickets forever. And he wears the hat. So if his wife turns on the game, she knows he's there and not, like, out with other women. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I did not know that story. Yeah. This guy was not that old. But uh, how cool would it be to live, like, seriously, a block away from Wrigley and go just go for five innings if you want every night? It's cool. Like, my friend, uh, my friends that live in Chicago, they have a spot there. And, like, when the Cubs were in the World Series, me and my dad, like, stayed with them. It was awesome. Like, it was so cool. That is pretty neat. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6. I will have some football talk uh, coming up here on the show. We've got Football 5. Of course, we're live at Fleming Island Golf Club on just a beautiful day on this Monday. Hope your work week's off to a nice start. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN 690. Rolling along on a Monday, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz. Talked about it a little bit off the top, Brent. Uh, you're, uh, besides that we learned the tennis fact about you, we also learned in the last couple of days horse racing is uh, pretty important to you. Soft spot in the heart, if you will. Uh, obviously, we know the winning horse was one of the greatest upsets of all time, so I took it upon myself to look up some of the greatest upsets of all time uh, and the odds part of it. Any guesses on, well, just in general, how would you rank the upset at the Kentucky Derby versus some of the all-timers? Well, it's really, it's interesting to me with the horse racing stuff because I feel like we've had some, like, I don't even, I think Giacomo was 60 to 1 odds, if I'm not mistaken. That rings a bell in my head, uh, and that was in the Derby. I, I think that was the biggest odds until this one, um, uh, but there might have been others e even before that, at least in my lifetime, I rem remember it. So, like, I guess my point is, like, I don't know if I look at this horse winning as, like, one of the biggest upsets of all times, like, I still think of upsets of all time, and I think uh, Team USA over sure. Russia, right? Yeah. And I don't know what the odds were. I don't even know if they made them back then. I'm, I'm not sure. But I would think in, in our landscape, in our heads, that is, like, the biggest upset of of our lifetime. And I was three, and I still know it's of our lifetime because I know it so well. So it's at the forefront when you say the word upset. So, I mean, uh Outside of that, we're, we're talking Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. Yes. Um, that, that, by the way, does have odds that probably indicate that it is one of the best upsets or biggest upsets of all time. And I would also say something. I'll give you something re uh, recently that you're probably going to be like, holy cow, I can't believe you got that. Uh, is it? And, and I won't even say it right. Is it Leicester City? Or Yes, it is. Well done, yeah. Brett. And that was just a few years ago, but, like, that isn't supposed to happen in that sport. That would be, like, now Fulham getting promoted and, and winning. maybe winning the the English Premier League. Yeah, that's a so that's a great call. So, yeah, for those that don't understand, yeah, that is a, um, a Premier League team that had no business winning at the start of the season. Now, obviously, it's a little different because season-long competition, 5,000 to 1. Wow. For them to win the Premier League that year, and they did it, and it, it was in 2016. I, yeah, how did you know that? <laughs> like, where did that? Did you do research, or do you just know that? I just remember. I mean, it was recent enough to know. True. Like, if that had happened in 1998, I wouldn't have remembered it. You know, I mean, yeah. I just know it was recent enough. And uh, you know, I, I do pay it. I kind of skirt the English Premier League table from time to time mm, because I am table. interested in Fulham. You know, and seeing yeah. where they go and in. I don't fully understand it, follow it to the degree a lot of folks do, but 
like I do wonder, and then I bring up, okay, could they win the English Premier League Championship someday? Well, Leicester City did. It is Leicester City, right? Is that mm-hmm. how you say yeah. it? Uh, it looks like like Leicester or something yeah. like that. But from a guy who's from New England and we have Worcester and other places, I get it sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew. I don't know what the heck they've done since, quite frankly. I think they fired their, their guy like a year later. Yeah, I mean, they're hanging around. But in terms of what that can do for, like, a team, like, they're still in. You know, they're still in the Premier League, and they're not on the cusp of winning it or anything, but they're consistently in the top ten. Um, they're in the top five, I think, this year, top seven, something like that. So they've been hanging around since then. Um, and it, it's huge. It's huge for because, listen, it was crazy odds that they won. They're not usually a team that gets relegated, but Everton's not usually a team that gets relegated either, and they're in that same situation right now. So what that can do, just keeping you there going forward, yeah, it's um, it's a massive thing. Do, do they have... Like, I say Team USA, but seriously, do they have odds? Like, when you have this list, or I don't know what kind of list you even have, mm-hmm. but are they on the list? Yeah, so they're on the list, but not odds. They said that there's there was no odds at the time. Um, but they are indeed on my list. By the way, it says the Mike Tyson odds were 50 to 1. Is that it? Yeah. Well, I guess... But it was still you know, a long time ago. Well, it was a long time ago, but also it's like, how big can the odds be if you're, like, one versus one? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. so, like, that's why 5,000 to 1 for Leicester City, which, by the way, I would have thought was even longer odds than that. But, I mean, what's, like, what are the Jags' odds right now to win the Super Bowl? They're longer than – are they 5,000 to 1? Uh, I'll get that for you, checking that out. But yeah, um, I feel like it's like a – I forget what I've seen. I, I'll probably miss – because some people do the plus 50,000 or plus, you know, so it's – Yeah, so I – um, let's see. Jags plus – Ten thousand. So you throw one smack on there. One dollar bet wins you a hundred. One hundred dollar bet wins you ten thousand. If the so, Jags win the Super Bowl. Okay. So what? What would the? So how's that? So those are longer odds in like Leicester City. Is uh, that right? yes, ten thousand is yes, correct. Yeah. So. That doesn't seem as wild to me then, I guess, that Leicester City. I thought their odds would have been longer than that to win the English Premier League. It felt like the upset of all upsets. But So I, I guess it would have felt like Leicester City probably wasn't that far off from, like, Cincinnati going to the Super Bowl and if they had won. Well, then let me put it to you this way. So a team that has plus 5,000 odds to win the Super Bowl this year is Washington. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, it's out yeah. there. It's 100 well, because you got to think about that probably, and this is just total spitballing, but, like, so this year, for example, I could just use it here. Liverpool and Man City were probably minus. Well, and that's point. what I was going to get at. Like, see, in the NFL, there's nobody that's heavily favored right. to win because it's so open, and people know it's the nature of it. Soccer in the English Premier League is not like that. Like, you'll have your two, three, four favorites, mm-hmm. and, and then maybe you even have your next four favorite. But like everybody else, it just it doesn't happen. It's a very top-heavy sport, if I have it correct. Yeah, exactly, 100%. It, and so, like, that's where the NFL's a little bit different, I suppose. That it's, I mean, honestly, like, it's not impossible. I know it seems it. But it's really not impossible for the Jags to win the Super Bowl this year. Right. Your, phone, mean, your phone's ringing off the hook because somebody disagrees, but. <laughs> it's It seriously isn't impossible because the way the league is built. Sure. 100%. And, and honestly, if the Jags, 
if the Colts and Titans flopped a little bit, the Jags surged and they won 11 games. All you got to do that, you get you're in the dance. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's pretty. It's 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 a little different in that sense. I think like in the EPL, like we're talking about. So it felt probably even bigger odds and even the five thousand uh, to one. Uh, and there's only twenty teams in the EPL, right? Uh, yeah, correct. So that will shorten the odds as well because of the amount of participants. Mm-hmm. All right. So what else you got? Sorry, I keep uh, trying to figure out why why it felt bigger than it was, but. What else you got? Let me ask you, what do you know about a horse named Upset? I don't think I know a lot, but is that the is a, this horse, did it coin the phrase? You, yeah, well, it was literally or the name word. was Upset. And it won at the odds of 100 to 1 in the Sanford Memorial Stakes. Okay. You know anything about that? No. Sounds good. Um, so that, <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, the Patriots, when they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. The David Tyree okay. one, the undefeated yeah. one. Uh, that's so the on, Giants were long under uh, what? How many points? Uh, plus five hundred. Uh, in the money line, they were plus five hundred. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't have the points, but um, and then this one again with your tennis. The, the Patriots were undefeated going into that game. Yeah, correct. Um, this one I know nothing about, but maybe you can give us some insight. Uh, Roger Federer beaten by twenty-year-old Juan Martín de Porto. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't remember that. But, but I, I would say this. Uh, how about, I don't know what the odds were when Tiger Woods lost the PGA Championship to, um, who was that? Oh, golly, I can't remember his name now. Um, but go ahead and look it up. It, that had to be pretty long odds, too, to win the PGA Championship that year. I'll look it up. Um, also, we because Tiger had never. I think he came from behind too. Like he beat Tiger, even though Tiger was ahead, which never happened. Right. Um, I I don't know much about this one, but hopefully you do. North Carolina State beating Houston in 1983. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, Jimmy Valvano, and so that was a big. Yeah, I think you're right. I remember that one. That does ring a bell. Um, and you know, one that that gets brought up a lot. Like uh, I think Shamanad out of. I think they're from Hawaii. And they're like a Division II school, and if you look at upsets, like they beat, I think, Virginia. I think it was Ralph Sampson's Virginia team. Not that year, but at some point. And that's always been considered one of the big upsets in sports, too. That was one I heard a lot about as, a, as like, a kid. So um, Interesting. You know what I don't know, I wonder about, because one of my first experiences as a kid watching uh, sports was Doug Flutie's Hail Mary against Miami with Boston College. And I don't know if they were, like, super underdogs in that game or not. True. Or if he just kind of won it on that great play. I can't remember. I would assume Boston College was an underdog against Miami, um, but I might be wrong. Uh, that was around 1984, so uh, who knows? It wasn't like the 90s Miami team. Uh, speak, hey, you mentioned uh, Tiger Woods. He's on the list, by the way, the PGA Championship. Yeah, I saw that. Both him and Phil are listed in the field. The field came out. Or. Well, I mean, it's yeah, not a lot. Pr- you know, yeah, he can yeah. still withdraw, but um, I, I hesitate to say this because I don't oh, – like, does it matter anymore now? Or now that he played the Masters, like, it's like, okay, great. Yeah, I mean – Like, what's the story? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, I think I, – I really don't think Tiger gains anything from playing, obviously. I mean, unless he wins, which obviously would be incredible, but none of us believe that to be true. Uh, I think this is not going to be a great setup for him. And I 
you know, more power to him. But the draw, you know, is just regular old Tiger. I think there's no – we understand he can walk now. It's going to be uncomfortable, and he might not look great. But in terms of the draw, I think anything other than just it being Tiger Woods, there is no draw. There is no story at this point other than they'll show the highlights of him at Augusta. Yeah, listen, like, I'm kind of like every golf tournament that has Tiger Woods in it is better. Every. Like, that's just a fact. Look at TV ratings. Look at hype. Look at coverage. Look at look at everything. We will talk more about the PGA Championship in a couple weeks because Tiger Woods in it. So we get that part. But I'm just wondering, like, okay, Tiger played the Masters. We know he's playing the Open Championship. We shouldn't be stunned that he's playing the PGA Championship. No. And so I'm just kind of like, like, I'm thinking of it from a, uh, almost from like even a radio topic when I saw it come out. I'm like, hey, uh, what does it mean? Or what is it? Like, doesn't mean anything. He's playing. He's healthy enough to play. Yeah. Like, we saw it. He played four rounds. He's going to play at the Open. Like, we know he's going to play when the majors are or the big tournaments are. Like, okay, cool. Can't wait to watch Tiger. Like, I think that's it now. Yeah, agree. Like, I think now that he, I mean, you know, coming back at the Masters was, holy cow, he's coming back like a year after almost losing his leg. And it's funny how quickly we go from, hey, all right, he made it. Now he's going to play again. I guess the next step of this is, is he really flirting with a with a leaderboard on the weekend? Exactly. You know, then that will be like, that'll be like that old, in my mind, I described that from a few years ago as like the old newspaper boy running up and down the street, like, Tiger Woods on the front page of the leaderboard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's like, true. that's what it felt like a few years ago. Like, you could almost rewind 70 years. And and you wanted to go tell everybody that turn on whatever channel it was, hopefully CBS 47, and watch Tiger. He's he might win, you know. Um, I think that'll be the next stage of it uh, from a Tiger Woods standpoint. Let's take a break. We are at Fleming Island Golf Club. Tiger Woods is not here, but we are. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. Football at five right around the corner here on a Monday. Hey, hey. Chris Woodward said that Flavors home run would have not been out of 99% of ballparks, and they called this a, a Little League ballpark. Do you have any reaction to that? Not really. His math's wrong. 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks. There you go, Booney. Yeah. Way too much Yankee stuff today on the show, by the way. Yeah. And I love Travis Chapman and all, but way too much Yankee stuff. And I just want to give both sides. You know, we heard from Chris Woodward, or as you called him, what's his name? Um, I don't know. What did I call him? You called him what's his name. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> and by the way, be a great horse name for the Derby. Well, that would be good. That is That's a good, good one. one. Yeah, that is right? a good one. What's his name? I like that. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, hey, uh, let's. I want to do some quick hitters, okay? Uh, sure. Boxing, Canelo. You saw it? I saw parts of it, yeah. Um, is that how big is that? Sort of, um, yeah. I mean, it's surprising. I guess it's surprising just when people that you're not loose to losing lose. Like the same yeah. thing when um, Amanda Nunes lost in the UFC. Everyone's like, "Whoa, wait a minute, she lost. She never loses." Canelo doesn't lose, so it's just. I think it's a more like surprise value, even from people that didn't really watch it or understand it. It's just like, oh. He lost? That's weird. That's yeah. not usual. So I think that's yeah, kind of so, – it's shock value. So, yeah, if you're inside the sport, you're probably not as surprised maybe. 
there's a possibility. But yeah, uh, from a headline standpoint, like, whoa, okay. Uh, I will say I'm a little like that, too. I know the name and surprised that it was on the losing end. Other than that, I didn't really know or see too much about the fight. You said good UFC this past weekend. What was happening? Yeah, um... So, like we told you on Friday that Charles Oliveira had to vacate the belt because yeah. he was .5 over, and he precisely went into the ring and absolutely choked Justin Gaethje out in the first round. Uh, so the, that half pound didn't matter at all. Um, it was it was quick, and it was easy, which was cool for me because I stayed up to watch it and then was here at 6 in the morning to do a show on WOKV. So I was uh, at least appreciative of that, even though I bet on Justin Gaethje, but... Um, yeah, Charles Oliveira is a bad man. He's continuously disrespected by me included. Uh, I'll throw my hand up there. I've bet against him in his last two fights, which was dumb. Uh, but he gets it done, and now he will have to fight again to get his belt back because he was not able to win the belt because it was vacated at the weigh-in. So that's a complicated situation, but he will have another opportunity to win the belt, which he probably will do because now he's running through that division. So that was the headliner, and then uh, Rose Namajunas also lost her belt at strawweight uh, in the women's division. She had been pretty dominant. She loses, so is um, uh, the theory checks out that me and Austin had made. If somebody retains, somebody has to lose it, and it checked out, but it... um, in a way, if you will. Because Oliveira lost it, but he still won. In theory, he yeah, would have yeah. kept the belt. Uh, what's interesting to me is we don't really ask this question a lot around MMA. Like, boxing, you wonder, okay, is it fixed? Uh, we've had trouble in some sports like the NBA. Heck, there's been recent integrity issues with the NFL with some teams tanking. We don't really ask it about the MMA, though. And you kind of wondered in this situation, all right, will Gagey win it? or what? I mean, could you could you make the claim coming off this fight, given the circumstances that, oh, yeah, that happened because? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not paying attention to it enough. I, I don't feel like that's a topic around the MMA ever. Yeah, it's not because it's just it's so difficult to get into a title fight, if you will. Um, I, I, I would say that you probably don't have to worry about that because I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't see it. I think it's a tough situation. Justin Gaethje um, has under, under, what's it called? Underperformed. That's not the word, yeah. but I'll go with it. Um, in title fights, and he did it yet again. And I think that's just it is what it is. He's not, he's not at the point where he can be a full time champion. He was the interim champion for a bit, but he's he's in a tough spot. It's two straight title fights. He's underperformed. So I think Charles Oliveira is just better than him. Joker wins the MVP uh, in the NBA with all the big-name stars. How surprising is it that he's the back-to-back NBA MVP where I swear you could do my grocery store uh, experiment and people wouldn't know who the heck he is? Yeah, it's a good call. Um, I think uh, this is unpopular, and I'm sure Brian Middleton will tell me how dumb I am uh, on OT today, but I think it's the right call because without him, they're nothing. They don't have Jamal Murray. They have a bunch of dudes you've never heard of. Without them, they're not a playoff team, let alone a team that wins any games. This guy got him to the playoffs by himself. I understand that Philly is also really bad without Embiid, but they'd still probably be a playoff team because of the East. The Bucks, same deal. Like I, I, I hear the argument that those two guys might be more important, but they might not have won 30 games without Jokic. So I think it's the right call, but obviously there will be scrutiny from the Embiid camp, which there probably should be. All right, uh, we uh, take a break. Football at 5 coming up, and a uh, stat that probably well, might make you throw up if you're a Jets fan. That's on the way. That's a heck of a tease. Great sell, Brent. If you want to throw up, come back.
Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. Live at Fleming Island Golf Club, top of the tee, and also part of our Dream 18 card. Action Sports Shacks, dream18.com to save good money here locally if you want to go play some golf where courses are packed and prices are up. Action Sports Shacks, dream18.com. We'll be right back.